0: Welcome to a very special episode of the Hartwell Studio Works Sports Branding Podcast. I'm John Hartwell. I am a sports brand designer in Atlanta, Georgia. This podcast is for front office personnel who want to harness the power of sports branding to win more fans. This is being recorded on Thursday, April the 16th, some four or five weeks into the great national coronavirus lockdown of 2020. St. Xavier University Athletics Director Allison Kern and I hosted an online virtual conversation with small college ADs from around the country to talk about the new normal waiting for small college athletics once this crisis passes. This episode is a presentation of the audio from that online conversation, with just a few edits for technical concerns. Allison and I had a great time presenting this conversation, and I hope you get some good information out of it as well. Enjoy the show. I am going to go ahead and introduce Allison Kern. Uh, Allison, as I said, is the Athletic Director at uh, St. Xavier University in Chicago. She was previous to that. She was the Athletics Director at Agnes Scott College, and she and I have been working together uh, for some time. Uh, Allison, do you have your screen share ready to go there on your end?
1: Uh, Good morning, let me unmute myself. Yeah, yes, I do. Good morning, everyone.
0: Very good. All right. So Allison, uh, as, as I mentioned, you and I were, were, were talking last week about what's going on. Um, and working with you, you have got uh, some very particular thoughts and ideas about uh, about what's going on in the world. Uh, and so why don't you get us started by framing us up? Wh- what are you seeing from your perspective? Uh, what's going on? Uh, what are the problems to be addressed here?
1: Yeah, I think um, I appreciate the tactful way that we say a particular perspective, but I think um, the the way that typically I approach this job anyway, and I think something that I've noticed over the last couple of weeks, especially for small college administrators, is we're talking a lot about how we manage our COVID response and how we are you know, keeping our athletes engaged, how we are hosting Zoom meetings with head coaches, how we're thinking about changing schedules. And so we're talking about all of this kind of crisis management, but I think we're really leaving out one of the the biggest parts of crisis management. And that's, if you think about it in three phases, it's the third phase, which is what are we going to look like when we come out on the other side? And I know that a lot of feedback, you know, we're all seeing, and, and John, you mentioned some of the other programming is around, uh, especially power fives and a lot of big schools are worried about loss of, you know, ticket revenue and how are we going to, you know, keep recruiting and what are we going to do with all these big donors and what happens if our football season gets cut short and please make no mistake. I am also super concerned with our upcoming football season, but I think what we're not thinking about or what we're not hearing enough about is just in the way that, you know, we talk about how we use athletics anyway, what we should be thinking about small college in two months four months six months whatever this looks like on the other side with what are we going to look like when we come out um and i'm going to go ahead and start sharing my screen john if that's okay with you um i think first of all uh, a a little bit about me i um was a a small college athlete i was a division three athlete i was a division three college basketball coach before i moved into administration and so I do come from the coaching perspective. I think as an administrator, I am really big into our external, re- external relations, revenue generation, um, fundraising, branding, marketing. And so I tend to think kind of big vision. Um, and the position that I'm in now, I report directly to our president. I sit on our cabinet. And especially in the last six weeks, I think that's given me a really unique look at how overall in higher ed, we're looking at this transition, obviously how institutions are handling crisis management, looking at, um, you know, where this is going to take us. And I think that that is really particular to the kinds of institutions we work at because we were already sitting in this space, right? We were already sitting in this cliff to 2025. We were already getting hit potentially with budget management. We were already getting hit with who, might make it who might not what are we going to look like what is this transition through gen z what is this shift in especially for liberal arts colleges what does all of this look like and so this kind of navigating uncertain waters is something that i think a lot of us are really familiar with Um, but when we get through whatever this particular situation is who are we going to be on the other side? And I think being a coach, but all of us working in athletics, the reality is for there to be winners, there have to be losers. And I'm a big believer in, I, I want to be on the winning side of this. And I don't know that we're all going to win the way that we want. And so thinking now about in two months, if we're getting back to, new, to normal in August, if we're all coming back to campus in September, if we figured out how to navigate fall schedules, if we decide that for, three months we're going to stay online and everybody decides that higher ed looks different at the end of the day this current crisis is going to be over and where are we going to be in that space and if we're worrying about what that's going to look like when it gets here it's too late um i'm a really big believer in you know people are are you a glass half full glass half empty person i only care about who pours the water and so for me, it's about how are we pouring the water and how are we controlling that now to decide what that new, new normal looks like for ourselves. So for us, and like I said, it's same problems and it's a different look. So for small colleges and especially small college athletics, it's always about enrollment. It's always about philanthropic giving and revenue generation. And it's always about how we're leveraging ourselves institutionally. So... I mentioned we're, we were already looking at the cliff to 2025, and I think that we're now looking at an acceleration, whether it's an acceleration of some schools moving towards you know, not being around anymore. We've already seen some of our schools in, in AIA, Division three, Division II, decide that the best way to navigate this from a budget standpoint is to eliminate athletics. I think we all know that potentially more of that is coming. Um, we're all now going to compete for a smaller pool of potential students that's smaller than it already was. And it's probably going to look different for a lot of us in terms of that paradigm shift, whether that's people looking for, you know, we had been accommodating in the last about six years, I think, towards this idea of how do we recruit Gen Z and why this new generation looks at higher education and what they want out of their college experience differently than anybody else. And I think that you know, this is going to shift again now. And whether that's from an affordability standpoint, whether that's a shift in what people are looking for in majors, whether that's everybody staying close to home, whether that's more kids deciding that, you know, online learning works for them and why are they, you know, looking at that ROI and thinking, well, how what am I getting for my dollar and, and where am I going to go to do that? I think that we're already in that space and we've been looking at that a little bit, but now we're in a position where we really have to identify who those new pools are. Is that figuring out that we are a tier up, you know, if you're a mid-tier academic school, are you now going to get more of those reach kids who had other options and want to stay close to home? Are we looking at higher discount rates? Whatever that looks like, we're kind of already navigating that shift for ourselves and we're used to figuring out the enrollment perspective, especially as small colleges use athletics. And I think that now higher ed in general is going to be looking at that again. Um, I think philanthropically, you know, we're all trying to raise money. Um, We're all fundraisers in athletics. And now we're hitting a point where there's going to be less people to give, they're going to give less money and their affinities are going to change. Are they still going to stay with us? Are we going to have to shift how we look at the use of our dollars? I call, you know, our fundraising perspective here, I kind of call those gaps, the margin of excellence. So we look at what's important and what our priorities are from an operating budget standpoint. And then what are the things that are going to move the needle most for us? and, And we consider those addressing the margin of excellence and that's right now where we kind of direct our philanthropic dollars but you know if we drop an enrollment and our operating budgets drop are we going to have to shift where those priorities land or are we going to have to shift the purpose of our philanthropic you know revenue generation are we going to lose corporate sponsors are we going to lose ticket sales are we going to lose merchandising and i think the ways that a lot of times big colleges and power fives talk about the concept of branding and marketing and revenue generation and how much it matters for them. And we tend in small college athletics to think that it's not the same for us. In my mind, it's even more important, right? Those dollars are far more impactful for us. Those relationships are far more impactful for us. And so every dollar we generate or every donor we lose really moves the needle on a much bigger scale for us because we're operating at such a smaller level. The last part of that is an institutional shift. Um, You know, there are so many small colleges using athletics for a variety of things, whether that's, you know, I call it heads and beds, whether that's just from a student experience, whether that's from branding and marketing and philanthropy and athletics development. I think the ways that potentially we create value for our institutions and more specifically the ways that institutions are going to leverage athletics Moving forward, maybe, you know, you don't have JV teams and your institution is going to ask you to hold JV teams and bring in another hundred kids. Maybe it's that, you know, you didn't have fundraising benchmarks and now they're going to ask you to be way more proactive in that. I think that being able to anticipate the ways that we can create value around how institutions leverage our departments is going to be really important for kind of who comes out of this on top and who's still struggling in six months.
0: Very good, so Allison, with that stage kind of set, then you're talking about value, we're talking about um, same problems, different context. What then uh, are you seeing as the tools that one might need for
2: the new normal?
1: Sure. Um, whatever it is, I'll say that i I don't think it's enough. Um, however, we're using that at this point, and that is uh, you know whether that's how you use your coaches whether that's that you have a great brand book, whether that's that you have a cool mascot or a fight song, or you guys are really good at Instagram or whatever it is. I think that we're in a position where we're trying to have action items that are very short term and we're not doing enough thinking big picture, big vision. So when I talk about, you know, what are we going to look like on the other side of this deciding that is really predicated on the action that we're taking right now. Um, So when we say, who are you? Identifying what your identity is. And when I say what your identity is, right, in branding, marketing, sales for any of you, and most of you have probably recruited, right? Who are you and why should we care? And I think a lot of that isn't just about, well, we do X really well. We think that Y is important. You should come to W University because you can graduate in three and a half years with this a degree and you can't do that anywhere else. All of that is great and it works for us. It's not going to be enough. I think that we've seen this shift in the private sector, especially, around generations of consumers and young people who want to be really connected. And so it's not as much about the brand name as it is, what their mission is or what they stand for or whether they donate shoes or whether they do service hours and people suddenly want to be a lot more connected with the mission and the identity of corporations they support places that they donate money to whatever that looks like i think having a really distinctive and really complete narrative is going to be a really big part of who comes out in a space where you are identifiable so if we're all competing in september For those same 20 athletes, deciding who you are now is going to matter because they're not going to connect with you in September. They're not going to connect with you in October. They're going to connect with you over the next four weeks. And what we're going to see coming out of COVID-19, whenever we do, I think is everyone is going to ask, they're not just going to ask us, right? They're going to ask Amazon and they're going to ask Procter & Gamble and they're going to ask Marriott or whoever it is, right? what did you do during the crisis how did you treat your employees how did you treat your customers how did you communicate through whatever that is and i think that that applies just as much to us right now not in growing an identity around crisis management but in finding opportunities to really talk very authentically about who we are and why it matters and the second part of that is how do we know right and so from a when you talk about what are the tools really specifically branding and marketing is it your brand book? Um, Do you have distinctive markers? Do you have good logos, consistent colors? Do you have a catchphrase or a hashtag or what's the language that you use? to Talk about who you are and how you are for audiences. How do you use your coaches? How do you use your staff members? Do you know? Do you have a vocabulary around here's how we talk about ourselves? Here's some words we don't say because this just isn't what we do. And I don't mean that in a Here's the front that we put on. But I think, in the way that, you know, for most people who have recruited, knowing what you are and what you aren't is really important. And being able to communicate that and connect in authentic ways right now matters more than anything. I tell our coaches sometimes we've talked a lot um, since I've gotten to St. Xavier around kind of our brand and how we're moving that forward and creating value in those spaces. And a lot of that I think comes from understanding the importance of consistency. So, you know, do you as an athletic department, as the value of the Tigers or the Hawks or whatever you are, do you show up in the same place all the time? Does it look the same? Does it sound the same? Does it feel the same? And how do we know? So, you know, it it, it sounds dumb and I know that it drives our coaches nuts, but the idea that everybody goes off and they make their rogue t-shirts and you know They design whatever logo they want and then they stretch the, the mascot and it's kind of a pink because we're doing this thing and all of this stuff and it sounds really anal retentive and it sounds over the top, but that idea, especially early on of creating a foundation around every time you see us, this is how we look and you know that it's us and it's not just about knowing, oh, that's the St. Xavier Red or, oh, that's the football team's Jersey. But branding and creating the value around who you are is about what I think and what I feel when I see it.
0: And, and often, go if, ahead. Yeah, please. I interject here real quick, not to get too technical detailing, but I think that there, it's important to also point out the distinction between what is a brand and what is a brand identity without getting too much into the weeds. What you're talking about in terms of who are you and why does it matter? Mm-hmm. That's to me, I would, I would ident- identify that as the brand part of this. What is a brand? It's your story, it's your values, it's your mission, it's, it's what makes you different uh, in a substantive way and how you communicate with people and what you communicate to those people. The brand identity then, those logos, those colors, those are those assets that you use to, that are the the, the, the point of the spear, if you will, the beginning of the conversation uh, to a recruit, to a sponsor, to a donor uh, to communicate what those values are. So you've got the what What are your values, what's your mission, and then what are the tools that you use to represent those things. They, the terms get conflated a lot. Uh, for sure, you know, for sure. Your, your your brand, when you say we have a new brand, what they mean is we have a new set of logos. But that that brand is the who are you part. And what you're talking about here is in making that differentiation to those audiences in this time of crisis, coming out on the other end, that who are you and what do you stand for becomes that much more important. Is that an accurate way of putting that?
1: Absolutely. So I I see it as identity and assets, right? And so the most important thing about the assets, and like you say, whether it's your logo, whether it's your font, whether it's your hashtag, whether it's your newsletter, whatever that is, those assets. And frankly, I throw staff in there a lot. I think coaches are great assets in a lot of those spaces. The identity is, and especially at a time like this, what we're talking about is the narrative and the narrative and the identity around who you are and what the values are. And sometimes you need a wrench and sometimes you need a hammer but it's about building the consistency around the narrative of whatever you decide that you are and whatever you decide that that is, why does it have value? Why does it matter? Not at this moment, but in general, who are those audiences and why does it matter? And then how are the specific and consistent ways that you're going to talk about that? And so, yes, sometimes it's your logo. Yes. Sometimes it's your colors. Yes. Sometimes it's your hashtag. Yes. Sometimes it's just the vocabulary that you use. Yes, sometimes it's that when we talk to alums, we know that a big part of our identity at St. Xavier Athletics, and I'll talk about it in a minute, we actually just did a full philanthropic launch in March, which obviously is not ideal. Um, But it's a lot around not just a tradition of success for us, but a tradition of relationships. And so the ways that we approach, whether it's, you know, How we write an email, how I write a thank you letter, how I talk to a group of people is from a lens of the value of relationships and those continuing for us. And so it's different for everybody, depending on, you know, what you want it to be. But deciding what that identity and that value is, is really around building a narrative. And now more than ever, it's important for us all to be storytellers. And that story, you know, you don't read three pages of the Velveteen Rabbit, and then all of a sudden Sleeping Beauty pops up on the page. (laughs)
0: Um, can I take just a quick moment you you mentioned uh, the institutional uh, aspect of of this as well previously can you Mm -hmm. talk just for a moment about the idea of an athletic program's mission and its and its connection to the institutional mission how do those two things work together in thinking about how do you get to the other side of this moment of crisis
1: definitely I mean I think Right For all of us, especially in small college athletics, I, I think part of why we do what we do and we work where we work is because we like to be mission-driven. And uh, well, I'll, I mean, we're a great example. So we're, we're sitting in this time of crisis. Uh, St. Xavier University is a Sisters of Mercy institution. So we are a Catholic college in the South Side of Chicago and the Sisters of Mercy are a very specific order that have a history, um, they originated, uh, out of Ireland and came over to America and they have a history of basically serving underserved populations, primarily, um, you know, in history, it's been women, uh, minorities, the sick, the uneducated. And so it, it, very quick overview, but part of that for us is when we talk about the students that we recruit, or how we build relationships or develop our athletes over four years in our department, it is with the understanding that we have a really specific um, population and demographic of students that we are recruiting to our university, which is solely mission-driven. And that's a really positive thing, but it also means that, for example, in a narrative in a time of crisis, we're sitting here around a lot of other schools in Chicago. And we're talking about what what is the narrative going to be in our crisis? And it's like, well, we were built for this. This this is, our our mission has always been this. Our mission has always been serving crisis. Our mission has always been to target underserved populations. Our mission has always been about building equity or whatever that looks like. And so it's not to say that anybody that doesn't have that mission or anybody that doesn't have that identity is now just stuck I hope you are if you're competing with us but you're not but really it's about understanding whatever that value is right we're doing the same thing we're as an athletic department we're a microcosm of our institution the same way that our student affairs division is the same way that our chemistry department is right like we pick the places that we work because it's not just a job for us right this is this is the life that we choose and the people that we serve and so i think that we are all mission aligned in understanding kind of the bigger vision institutionally for how that breaks down to our department and i i'm of course only speaking for myself and these are all my opinions but i I think that that's probably a pretty in in my professional career a, a theme across small college athletics for sure
0: sure so so in in setting up the problem of knowing that we are in this time of crisis, we have some place to go on the other side of this we've been talking about what are the tools that we need to get there who who are we? how do we know why does it matter um, how do we how do we think about this in concrete terms? How do we actually execute against this uh, right now? What does this look like in action
1: Sure um so I think. Execution and activation for us in athletics, right? Man, we love a good policy and procedure. That's uh, like, right, put it in a manual, set it down for everybody, let people follow the steps. I think that that's something that we're all really comfortable with. I think big vision, it's a lot more, one, the sense of urgency of doing it now. So when I say, right, the new normal, the new normal is, it's coming and i want to be the one pouring the water i don't want to let somebody else dictate the new normal for me and so deciding what that mission is deciding what the vision is everybody has one right i, I don't know that we have athletic directors who are just you know casting their fate to the wind and saying well we'll see what's we, we all have a vision for the department we all have a, division, a vision for how we want to develop student athletes we all have a vision for what we want it to look like sitting in the big chair and i think the difference is is how intentional are we about not just casting the vision for everybody, but talking about how we execute that vision on smaller levels. So do our coaches know how to communicate that value? Is it what we've said the value is or is it what each of them has decided the value is? Because I think at this time, not that we don't trust coaches or staff members, and I'll say I, I speak as somebody who has a really exceptional staff. And I have some coaches that are very, very good at this. Um, Executing is a lot more about understanding that whatever the vision and the identity are, when we decide what that value looks like for us, being able to communicate through that lens of value all the time, no matter what. And I think a great example is, um, so I have been in St. Xavier for about seven months now, almost eight. And one of the things that I was tasked with in coming in, um, one of the big year one goals was to really kind of overhaul and create cohesion around athletics development. So creating a, a culture of philanthropy that was a little more department-wide. Um, we had some coaches that were doing a really good job, but, but we needed a bigger identity, right, as the Department of St. Xavier Athletics. And so we have been working on this for a few months and, um, and working with our development office we had finally gotten to a point where we were, we were launching our new identity and it's called our, our overarching philanthropic umbrella it is called the Legends Fund. So we were launching the Legends Fund and we were doing this in conjunction with our advancement office building up to the, we call it the We Are SXU Day. So it's our day of giving on March 25th. And so on March 11th at 6 a.m., the Legends Fund launch happened. And if anybody knows, March 11th, at 11 a.m., all NCAA playoff games were canceled. And then, you know, on March 12th, we canceled spring seasons. And so we really went from this, we were excited, we had a plan, we knew our, our five-year fundraising plan, like we had all of this in step. And then we launched the Legends Fund, and COVID-19 happened. And so it kind of, what do you do? Um, and a big thing that really helped us was in building out the brand of the Legends Fund and aligning that with where we were going as a department, we were still communicating around the value of relationships. So the ways that we were measuring the initial launch of Legends Fund, yes, absolutely, we want dollars and it's our job to um, fundraise and support our operating budgets and all of those things matter but our initial measurement of the success of the launch was around unique participation. And so not just how much money we raised, but how many people we were going to get involved. And so because we had already been talking about it kind of through that lens and about people you know, joining our team and wanting to be a part of this exciting new thing that we were doing, we went radio silent for about seven days trying to figure out how do we regroup from that. Um, and what we really pivoted to was, being able to say, this is more important now than ever. Um, So we sent out an entire new communication the two days before the actual day of giving. And it was like, listen, this is crazy. We know that everything has changed. We know that everything is different. We know that you know how we talked about this launch and how we've been building this up for the last couple of months, months and whatever this looks like, this isn't what any of us planned. But because we've been talking about getting people involved and wanting to be a part of something we still need to be on our team now more than ever um i shot some videos to specific teams and donors and alums and we were basically like we don't want your money um we want your netflix subscription we want five bucks we don't want big gifts i don't want big donations like you don't know what's going to happen we don't know what's going to happen and being really authentic in that space of striking the right tone, not of we still want your dollars or forget it. Nobody knows what's going to happen. We still have a vision. We're still going to do all of the things we said we're going to do. We still have, you know, this big theme, and we still we're still a part of this team. We didn't raise a lot of dollars. We did, the ho- generate uh, more impressions from unique athletic identities than we had in the last. Uh, Institutional Giving Day the year before, and our participation rates over five new teams are up, and I'm writing handwritten thank you notes for people who donated $5, and I don't know you know, how many times I've done that, but I think being able to see the big vision has enabled a little bit of intestinal fortitude around pivoting to long-term, because these aren't people that are going to give us money in four months. Um, But hopefully they're going to be on our team for the next four and five years. And as we come out of this, whatever it looks like, I hope that what people are saying about us is the same things that we're saying about us now, which is this is who we've always been and this is how we've always done it, no matter what. And I think a lot of that is really just, again, because we can talk about we're very clear about what the vision is and we're very clear about what the value of that is.
0: So to your point there is a there's a short term immediate oh my gosh we need to pivot and do something else but there's also a long term idea in here as well it's not just about responding to the immediate moment which is important but setting up for whatever will be on on the other side is that fair to say
1: For sure and i believe me and sick to my stomach saying that like we don't want your money that i'm sure just made everybody a little bit who's on the call but it yeah i mean it's it's not an easy thing to do but i think again when we talk about the action that we're taking now isn't to mitigate right now hopefully we've already done that the action we're taking now is because who we want to be in 6 months is about who we are now and if we wait until we come out and we wait until we see what happens it's going to be very one inauthentic people aren't going to connect to Well, you did this because everybody else did it. I think we see that on social media a lot. One thing that I've talked to a lot of our staff about in our athletics communication team and I video conference just about every other day is we don't want to do something just because somebody else is doing it. Not because it's not a great idea. And Lord knows in athletics, like that's great coaches, great administrators are people who steal great stuff. But because if it's something that we don't do and this isn't that how we talk about ourselves, then us doing it for the sake of saying we put one more thing out there, we got one more click, we got one more impression, starts to ring false and people don't make real connections with that. They just see it and it's not the same thing.
0: Sure. Very good. Well, I tell you what, we've got uh, about 25 minutes to go in the hour here, so I do want to open this up to, to questions uh, and conversation. And, and again, the whole point of this is to get everybody here on, on this call as involved as possible and to very much share ideas. Um, so if, oh, yeah, you, if you have a question for Allison directly, if you'd like to just put out uh, a thought or an observation or, <laughs> or open up another line of, 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 uh, of questioning here, Please mm-hmm. put it in the uh, in the uh, chat here, I'll get that. Uh, or use the raise hand function and I will see that here on my board. And uh, full disclosure, this is my first time actually moderating one of these things. So I'll try to keep my hands on all the bells and whistles and make sure it all functions properly. Uh, so, but, but uh, I will uh, go ahead and open it up for that question and answer. If anybody would like to uh, to throw something out there, I will get you unmuted here and we can discuss. Uh, Let's see here, let me get to,
2: here we go, Uh, Robert Backus. Yes, sir. I just said you're doing a nice job here. Again, it's good to kind of have some open dialogue about uh, what's gonna happen afterwards. So uh, I appreciate you taking the time to do this. It's not a a fun subject right now. We're all uh, in our own little world with, uh, and I don't wanna paint doom and gloom, but um, there is a real reality you know, what we are going to look like afterwards. I I don't work at a private college. Um, Certainly fundraising is important. I work work at a state institution, but, um, you know, just having a webinar like this for a few moments, uh, again, we can appreciate what everybody else in the room is going through and, uh, you know, trying to talk to our own staff remotely. I've never really supervised uh, 14 full-time employees remotely before, so this has been a little bit of a challenge for me, so, uh, but I appreciate what you're doing today, John and Allison. Great. Thank you so much. I appreciate that.
1: Yeah, I think it's important that we talk about other things too, right? Like I know that there are tons of webinars around, right? How do we handle video chats with 14 coaches? How do we, you know, communicate up? How do you disseminate tough information? And, you know, it's all right. We're all in that rough spot right now, but I I don't think it's the whole picture. And so I, I would like to see more of more of this for sure. And I think that there are other things we're not talking about that really are going to be critical to our success moving forward.
0: Allison, let me kind of prime the pump here with a with uh, a question. You, As I mentioned, you and I worked together uh, and I did work with you on the Legends Fund launch. In that sure. moment of pivoting, uh, we put out uh, a communication that addressed the moment and kind of redirected the narrative uh, if, if you will, to to be more sensitive to the moment, and we did it with some fairly simple tools, uh, using using a, a mass email blast, and then uh, refashioning the, the messaging on the web page for the Legends Fund. Um, sure. I put together, in my capacity as delivering creative services, I put together a real simple email layout with a real simple header um but that got a response from folks and it's one of those things that struck me as you know it may not seem like a big deal but to be attentive to those small details that can help communicate a level of intention or professionalism those are important can you talk a little bit about that
1: sure yeah i think um part of it is what are your i say what are your words um i right we spent a lot of time on an email that was probably 250 words and then after spending all day on it i rewrote the entire thing because (laughs) at four o'clock i had a an epiphany about how it didn't sound like us and didn't sound like what i wanted it to sound like and i think that that's an important thing when you think about how you talk about yourself um what are your words what are your phrases what are what What does your tone sound like? What does your tone sound like individually as an administrator, but what does your tone sound like as your department, as your identity, as your brand? And I think having, um, right, obviously, I find it very valuable to be able to have people to just get that feedback from. But I think at a time like this, when crisis management is really predominantly about Communication and managing expectations. These situations, when people don't hear from us all the time, especially our constituents who don't hear from us all the time, whether that's donors, whether that's alums, and I think that we've been doing a really good job in talking with our staff about how they're connecting and being really consistent with that. Um, But knowing that there's the way that we hope people hear us, but then there's the way that people actually hear us, and being willing to step back and understanding how critical the tone and that messaging and those words are, I think sometimes we think good enough and right. Perfect is the enemy of done. But in those situations, I, I do think that we need to be really, really careful and really, really intentional about what are our words? What is our tone and getting that perfect,
0: honestly. And that's very much driven. Sorry. Is my audio on? Yes, it is. I'm sorry. (laughs) That's very much driven by the idea of having a sense of what is your mission. I mean, it's not just coming from, uh, you know, you mentioned previously some sort of standard operating procedure handbook, and you look up paragraph sixty-five, you know, point two three that says respond this way in this crisis. It's your understanding of what your mission, your your vision, your communication was that drove. What became that communication? And you know, I think it was what you sent me a text at eleven o'clock at night and said, "Okay, wait, we got to change the whole thing." And I said, "Okay, all yeah, right, roll the, with the punches, roll with the yeah, punches for sure." Um, but you came to that because you had a sense of the overarching mission, which dictated how you communicated in that moment, setting up what then would be, uh, you know, it's it's that short term long term idea
2: again
1: it is and i think part of it is and this is why i say right those assets are so critical or understanding right who are you and not just what do you look like but how do you talk about yourself like both of them i think are critically important because i i would think that and and i don't i don't know i'd venture to guess a lot of our staff when we talk about branding when we talk about um fundraising when we talk about alumni relations a lot of those things i think i say the same thing over and over and over partly because, you know, that's might be all I got, but also because once we've decided what that is, like that's that's what it is and that's what it is all the time. And so it, it is. It's the same, it's the repetition of saying the same thing over and over and over. And maybe we say it a different way, but oftentimes we don't. And so if you're spending a lot of time right on a communication that I felt was really, really I, I really felt like we had to get that communication out. It was Pivotal to not about getting people engaged, but not losing people in the process. And reading it over and reading it over and reading it over and tweaking and reading it over, and then all of a sudden it just right. None of it 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 wasn't it wasn't the repetition. It wasn't what we wanted to say. It wasn't the right tone. And that kind of just stood out again because how do you talk about yourself? How do you look? And is it the same consistency? Is everything right? The Coke bottle is the Coke bottle for a reason. And so I think that consistency. Also, really is able to create outliers when it's not right.
0: Agreed. Um, talk, so, the Legends Fund was a very particular moment in time that coincided with a very bad moment. <laughs> the in rough time. March. Um, and and again, the idea of short term, long term. You've got other initiatives that have been on on the radar, and now all of a sudden, how you work with those has to be addressed as well. Can you talk about sure. what, what some of the future initiatives are and how you're, how you're, you're rearranging those schedules and those communications to address what will be the other side of this crisis.
1: Sure. Um, I think a good example of that, and especially not sacrificing the now for the long term, um, we had a meeting with our football coaching staff last week around what our content was going to look like for them over the next few months. They're really engaged with their alumni base. Our coaches do a great job um, across the board, I think on all of our platforms. But one of our big initiatives is uh, to get people engaged. Where it's a a countdown of the top eight games in St. Xavier football history. So, or the top eight teams, sorry. So who are the best teams? And it's, you know, our coaches who have been there for a long time do a good job of getting alums back and everybody's voting and and so that's kind of laying out that plan for how we were going to roll that out what it was going to look like the logistics all of that part of the conversation was around um our our national championship team and was it the best team will it be the best team if we're celebrating the national championship team because it comes through the bracket um one of the things that happens is at the end the the winning team on our twitch channel basically we rewatch one of their epic games and there's live commentary and everybody can come in and it's it's going to be a whole thing is we don't want to waste an opportunity. Um, This upcoming year is the 10th anniversary of our national championship team. And so we already had a lot of plans for how we were going to kind of get the mileage out of making sure that we honored them, engaging people, understanding the opportunities externally that an event like that presents and not wanting to, blow it on, well, if we need some quick content right now, people will totally love if we put up this stuff about the national championship team, but it really dilutes then the timeline for what that looks like over the next 14 months. And I'm going to continue to operate like the next 14 months are going to happen and having to say, well, all right, are we going to mitigate whatever this looks like, knowing that it might be a big hit now, but we can get a lot more mileage out of it later needs to be a conversation with our staff, with you know how we're communicating, with with all of these pieces, to know that we still want to be intentional about kind of the long term plans, even if we have to shuffle what that looks like short term. Does that answer your question, John? You're on mute.
0: Sorry, too many things going on nope. here. Uh, no, that's okay. It it goes it goes to the idea of something you and I have talked about, and that is the the, the right way and the wrong way. To use social media, and there are certainly all sorts of, of perspectives out there on that. Um, and as again, in this moment, I'm looking at a at a video wall full of people at home. <laughs> you know, so we're not getting out in in front of recruits, we're not getting in front of donors, we're not getting in front of sponsors. Uh, social media becomes a very important communication channel. So I'm gonna I'm gonna put you a little bit on the spot here. In from your perspective. What is the right way and what is the not right way to use social media in this moment?
1: Um, I don't, I am certainly not a social media expert um, and our SID will tell you that my presence on social media for the last six months since I got this job has been very scant as we were looking to kind of build this out and see what that would look like. I think, content for the sake of content and filler isn't what we think it is. And often we're like, well, if we put up one more post, if people see us one more time, we forget that. And I think that this, I think it's true for social media only because it's true everywhere else, right? Is that every time somebody sees us, whether that's they see a logo, whether they hear something about us, whether they read a newspaper article, whether they see a coach, whatever that is, every time somebody experiences us, they're experiencing the narrative and is the narrative consistent all the time? And are we being intentional about how we craft that? And so content for the sake of content is really, I think, a deterrent to not because we don't want to put up a lot of stuff, but a conversation that we're constantly having is, okay, do we like this? Is this how we normally engage our student athletes? If we don't have an award ceremony ever, and we decide that the ways, you know, because it's easy to say, well, we'll honor our seniors by doing some online award ceremony. I mean, I guess, but that is never how our student athletes experience us. And they experience us in all of these other ways. And if we put in some effort, we can figure out how to do that better. But I think that we just, when we talk about being intentional about the narrative and that now more than ever keeping that tight, content for the sake of content, I think is just really a deterrent to not being intentional about how people experience you.
0: Very good. Uh, let's see. I do have a question here from uh, Gary Zacher. Uh, what are some of the ways that athletics is going about talking to sponsors gearing up for next year? Um, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to say, let's, let's Allison, if you'd like to take that question and if anybody else would, would like to jump in on that question as well. Uh, Gary's question again was what are some ways that athletics is going about talking to their sponsors uh, and gearing up for next year. So Allison, I'll throw it to you first. And if anybody else would like to chime in, please uh, let me know through chat or hit the the raise hand icon, please.
1: Yeah, I would love to know what other people are doing. Um, For us, part of the launching of all philanthropic, the full philanthropic umbrella this year was a comprehensive corporate sponsorship program. Um, The early communications that we've had moving forward are, you know, we're still, going to be around and why our partnership for us it's we we try to not be transactional with our relationships so corporate we we call them corporate partnerships not corporate sponsorships because we look at a lot of mission alignment and figuring out right i think win-win situations for how people want to align their brands is really important for us and it's really important for us to align our brand accordingly is everybody's going to be in the same boat Everybody's going to have down sales. Everybody's going to have down traffic. Everybody's going to have, you know, places where they also need to kind of get back out there and whatever their new normal looks like. And hopefully it's not all still that there's a 20 line cart Starbucks drive through in four months. Cause Lord knows I don't have two hours a day to do that, but it uh, it, it's a lot more about understanding that everybody else is going to be in the same boat as we are. And so how are we aligning again, that value around, you know, the conversations I'm having right now are nobody's, I get it. We all need to figure out what that's going to look like, but no, when we talk about the new normal and deciding now what it is, I'm going to tell you what we're going to look like because of X, Y, and Z. And I think being able to talk in that way, do I know exactly? Obviously not. I think everybody here, you know, we don't know what next week's going to look like. We don't know what three weeks are going to look like, but I can tell you that as we get out of this, here are the things we're doing now to control how we look three months down the road.
0: Would anybody else like to chime in on that particular yeah, subject? Yeah,
1: please, I would love to know what other people are doing with that.
0: All right, I'm not seeing any hands go up. So I tell you what, we've got just a couple of minutes here. I'm gonna hit on one quick question for you, Allison. Uh we did, you know, We've talked about sponsors, we've talked about uh, um, philanthropic giving, the fundraising. Can you take a, just a quick moment to talk about recruiting and enrollment? Uh, something that you had mentioned to me uh, a few weeks ago was the idea that what students, what recruits were looking at this past fall coming into this current academic year uh, and what they're, what they're looking for, uh, what they were looking for then is not going to be the same when we get on the other side of this. Can you talk a little bit about, uh, about that perspective and what you're seeing in regards to that shift of how, how recruits are thinking?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that that's true. I can't speak to being a recruiting guru or being on the front lines. I talk a lot with our coaches. And I think that, again, we have some really good recruiters who have a great pulse, who are talking to their commits often. Um, But I think in the same way, you know, people who are around in 2008 and then people who are around in the shift kind of around 10, 11, 12 with Gen Z if the economy changes, what kids are gonna look like and look for in higher ed is going to change as well. And I, I don't know that I can predict what that is, but I think none of us are gonna come out of this with exactly the same priorities we had going in and how we build relationships or how we live our lives or what we think is important or whatever that looks like for you. And I think, right, there are gonna be real economic realities for students and families around shifting potentially their priorities I think they're going to be real future realities. I think we're probably gonna see a shift again in terms of um, population's commitments to types of majors or you know what they see as valuable in their, the ROI of their tuition dollars as far as an experience goes versus tangible skills versus internship opportunities versus whatever it looks like. Um, I don't, we have a nursing school. I feel like that's probably a good thing for us at this moment, but uh, Yeah, I I don't know exactly. I I don't think I could say what it looks like, but I think that, you know, especially for those of us that have large student populations of whether it's first gen, Pell Grant, um, zero EFC, I think that those pools are really going to be spaces where people are either choosing to go to, you know, not their number one or their highest choice or the big stretch school and either stay closer to home or go somewhere that they think has a little more value for all these new reasons, or they're going to be people that are deferring college for necessary reasons. And that's going to shift the pool as well.
0: All right. So we're at five minutes of, I'm going to, I'm going to give one last chance to anybody who wants to jump into the conversation, ask a question, follow-up comment, shoot it to me in chat, or uh, raise your hand here. Otherwise, I'm going to go ahead and Wrap things up with just a, just a few final thoughts, and it looks like Allison, we have successfully solved everybody's problems here today. So congratulations, well done. <laughs> um, thank That's you all very much.
1: Solve mine, that would be great. There you go, there you go.
0: Uh, thank you all very much for being here on this on this first virtual conversation. This really was uh, an experiment uh, for for both Allison and myself. Um, and, and and I hope that you all found this helpful uh, and, and having just a conversation and being able to participate and listen in to some of these different perspectives uh, was useful. Um, to Allison's point, just to kind of recap here, you know, there, the, the world will be different on the other side and, and, and the small college athletics concerns are not exactly the same as, as the, the big D one power fives. I've got the university of Georgia just an hour and a Half uh, away from me, and uh, (laughs) they they have concerns of of a different scale, certainly. Uh, But I I I hope, and I know Alison hopes that what we've talked about here is very practical, relevant, and actionable for you. Um, I I will add that uh, from my perspective here, I think there are probably three options uh, coming out of this conversation uh, for you guys in regards to this conversation. Um, You know, I, I hope that there that you have got. Something came out of this, an idea, a perspective, uh, and you can go back to your staff today and you can execute on it. You can have it rolled out next week and it'll be another uh, part of what you're doing to respond to the moment. If that's the case, then great. We have done our job here and we certainly look forward to seeing what you're doing. Uh, The second option is perhaps you don't have the resources or the bandwidth. And in which case, Hartwell Studio Works is available to help you unpack these ideas, think about what might be next. Um, If you'd like, uh, please feel free to go to my website, go to the scheduler uh, page, uh, the scheduler page, and I'm happy to do a free 20-minute consultation with you to talk about a little debrief on this call and uh, what your your next options may be. And if I can be of help, I'm certainly happy to do so. The third option really isn't an option at all, and that's to do nothing. (laughs) I don't think anybody here is is, uh, is, is, on this, uh, is on this call because uh, they just wanted to hang out and you know kill some time. We're all here to do something and get some ideas. Uh, so certainly I do hope this was useful. And, uh, and if you need help, uh, please do let me know. Alison is available uh, for, for some follow-up as well. Alison, I'll admit I've lost the screen share on my end, but I'm assuming you're still sharing. And if you can throw up your information and my information. You're on mute there, Alison.
1: I was going to say, I think there's just contact information off. I know that there are um, NAIA ADs are getting on uh, a group chat later today and or tomorrow. I think that that'll be great. I would love to hear what everybody is doing and talk about how we're figuring this out.
0: All right. Very good. my last bit here is, uh, again, thank you to everybody who was here. I will be sending out a short survey later. Uh, and when I say short, I mean just three questions. <laughs> uh, this may be a thing that we can continue, this this kind of conversation, getting uh, get, getting people together to talk about these things. And I'd very much like your feedback as to whether or not you think this is worthwhile. And, if you, and frankly, if you'd like to see more of it. So uh, thank you again being here. Uh, I do hope everybody is staying safe and washing your hands and being socially distant in as much as is required. Um, It it has been a a pleasure to to do this for everybody, and uh, if we can help you going forward, we'll be happy to do so. Uh, Have a great rest of the day, and uh, we will hopefully see you sooner rather than later. Thanks, everybody. My thanks again to Allison for her time and help in putting on this virtual conversation for small college ADs. You can get in touch with Allison by email and through social media. Her information is posted in the show notes for this episode, found at the podcast page of my website, heartwellstudioworks.com. If you are listening in iTunes, please subscribe, leave a five-star review, and it would be immensely helpful if you wrote a review. Help other sports professionals find this podcast. If you would like to talk about how sports branding can help you in this time of crisis, you can reach out to me by email at john at hartwellstudioworks.com And you can also follow me on social media, on Twitter and Instagram using the handle Heartwell Studio. And you can check out my entire portfolio of sports branding work at StudioWorks.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.